Hello, it is Wednesday, July 14th, obviously. An absolutely beautiful day. Peter Schrager stops by. Chris Ballard, obviously. Great conversation with the GM of the Colts. I asked some hard questions. I think you're going to enjoy today. I can't thank you enough for allowing us to penetrate your ear holes. Let's get to it. Big day to big day here on SiriusXM Channel 82, Mad Dog Sports Radio, and YouTube.com forward slash The Pat McAfee Show. In about 27 minutes, Peter Schrager will be starting. Come on! It's become a weekly thing because he's really the only one producing some content that is worth talking about every single week. His Flying Coach podcast alongside Sean McVay on Spotify has created great conversations with people we don't normally hear from. Today's guest on that show, Joe Judge of the New York Giants. I guess McVay and Joe did not have that great of a relationship, so they didn't know how it was going to go. All the reviews have been glowing. At Ty Schmidt, you listened to the first 15 minutes of it this morning. Your initial thoughts. And also, I I think people are... Uh, some people, not all people, because obviously painting with a broad brush is a very dumb thing to do in any situation. But a lot of people are wondering, is Schrags becoming a part of the every week rotation? Mm. Is, is Schrags going to be a part of the new crew? We hope so, by the way. Oh, We've yeah. enjoyed oh, the oh, hell yeah. out of Schrager. But these flying coach shows have been absolutely legit. I mean, the shit that has been said, the Matthew Stafford news with Kyle Shanahan, yep. him also being down in Mexico, just at a different resort than McVay and Stafford when that whole trade happened, wasting his entire vacation watching film on Stafford, trying to get into the trade game for the Niners, only to find out he was told to get, hey, you can have a night off. Ten minutes later, Stafford gets traded to the other resort where he was at with McVay. But there's a lot of little gems dropping out of here. For the New York Giants, I think we all know their offensive line is not great. It wasn't great last year. Mm -hmm. There's an alleged fight that happened behind the scenes. I wonder if they cover that. They have Saquon still. They have Danny Dimes. He's from the Belichick camp. There's a lot of optimism, I think, for Giants fans for... A number of reasons, you know. They trade away Odell. They had McAdoo in there. Yeah. Since Coughlin, it's been a little bit of a problem over there. What were your initial thoughts on Joe Judds? And, and what do you think we should ask Schrager about with this flying coach McVay, Joe Judge situation? Well, like you said, I only got about 20, 25 minutes okay, in. Okay, so you did get 20. You were more yeah, than I thought. Wow. Yeah, wow. Uh, but, but it is interesting because most of the guys that they've had on here, like you can tell that uh, McVay and them go back and they do have that like uh, friendship connection because they're kind of busting each other's chops a little bit and they might get into that but you could tell it was more about like the football aspect they obviously had a lot of respect for each other but you saw the quote that was going around I didn't get to that part yet but McVay came away from it thinking like okay the Giants are really going to compete this year and I assume that's because of Joe Judge at the very start the part I got through he was talking about his uh, experience coaching under Belichick and coaching under Saban so the the first 20 minutes were very interesting but I didn't get far enough to you know really know what else they got into at Boston Connor sitting next to Ty Schmidt at the toxic table over there and you boys have been fantastic this entire run and uh, Connor and I Connor's going to be with me. Connor and I are going to uh, Houston. Can't wait. Zito's going to be with us as well. Mm -hmm. Foxy can't make it because he has a massive obligation this weekend. So uh, Connor and Zito are traveling. We're leaving tomorrow night. Friday, it has been confirmed. A.J. Hawkins studio. Wow. Wow. The Hammer Down boys will also be in here for the entirety of the show. I will FaceTime in, I think, for an hour, hour and a half from Houston. Connor will be with me as well, but AJ will be in studio. Connor, as we hear Ty Schmidt 
talk about McVeigh and Judge. Yeah. And then can we put that quote up on the screen that is going around? And it's going around the uh, Giants blogs because this is Sean McVeigh, who is an accomplished coach. Who knows what his next legacy is going to be? He came in as the wonder phenom. Oh, my God, this guy that's younger than most of the players he's coaching has come in and dominated, and they built a roster up and went to the Super Bowl, and then they lose the Super Bowl. And then they pay Goff, and they had to redo the entire thing. They start firing, getting rid of people, trading people. Will he be able to rebuild this thing up? He's very aggressive. I love the way he speaks. I think he's incredibly entertaining. They were going to hand him the Monday Night Football gig, allegedly. He can get that whenever he wants, obviously. But him saying that, I don't care what the record says. The Giants are coming. They're going to compete. They're going to be situationally aware. They're going to know how to play fundamentally sound. And these guys are relentless in the way they're going to compete, says Sean McVay on Joe Judge's New York Giants. That's from at Big Blue United. I like at Big Blue United getting out there, finding the quotes that are positive about their team because far too often negativity kind of hogs publicity, Mm -hmm. which we will get into in just a couple seconds. There is massive massive story brewing out of Washington with one of the name, the league's biggest names or whatever. But what that doesn't fucking mean a thing. Sean doesn't know him, right? No. No, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't no. have a clue. Yes. <laughs> no. no, Sean no enjoyed and took away uh, a, a lot of positives from Joe Judge, and I guess they dive into um, Saban and Bill, and mm-hmm. his tree is amazing. And by the way, getting a chance to play against his special teams units, always very focused, always dialed yeah. in. We should have got an onside kick against them. Well... Hmm. No, there was a surprise onside kick that we recovered that then the ref actually turned to go the other way, but the ball rolled around so much, it actually ended up down on the other 30, so it just looked like an actual kickoff, but it was a surprise kick left. Ooh. Uh, yeah, they were potentially ready for it. I don't know. It wasn't my best kick. It was not <laughs> my best kick, but we still got the ball, and the ref kind of fucked us over, and he was celebrating on the side. I think he even came on the field at one point while I was going on. Like, what the fuck is this guy on? <laughs> Is this whole thing happening? But his special teams were always very dialed in. You know, Mm -hmm. and everything in New England, very dialed in. But all of these coaches that have seen the way the Patriots have worked and why the Patriots have worked, it seems like it hasn't been easy to transition into doing your own thing. Now, is that because where you have watched people work and set a precedent? And there's quotes coming out now from uh, Cassius Marsh, Mm. who is back with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's an outside linebacker. Is yeah, that what he plays? Pass rusher. He's yeah. massive uh, sports card guy. I think he's in NFTs. He does game. I think he's, you know, his name's Cassius Marsh. We know him strictly from the internet, seeing him do his thing and maneuver in there. He has come out, you know, and uh, I mean, he said that the New England Patriots situation is just a miserable one. Whoa. It's a miserable existence. And that's not a surprise. Everybody says the Patriot way is a way. It is not, hey, we're not having a good time. We're just like, this is football. This is business. He was on Two Bears, One Cave, Tom Segura, Burt Kreischer. Burt Kreischer has been in Russia filming a movie about his uh, experience with the Russian mafia, I think. Okay. So there's been a lot of substitute bears in there alongside uh, Tom Segura, who is obviously hilarious. And Cassius, I guess, was either a guest on there or a co-host. And he uh, was asked by Tom, who knows football. Tom knows mm-hmm. sports, which is good. He's a great comedian, speaks two languages, but he knows football. Uh, so he asked Cassius about his time in New England. Dude, okay. So, <laughs> laughing. <laughs> 
Yo, so imagine like, oh man, so I haven't heard this at all, but somebody typed out every single word that he said, and it's like a script almost. They yeah. wrote out here like his emotions and everything. This person was trying to bury Cassius, so I'm not going to continue to do that because Cassius doesn't deserve it and we don't know him, but I will say what he said, if you print it out like this, and I don't know if it was comedy delivery, how he was delivering it, Two Bears, One Cave is a comedy podcast, so I didn't get a chance to hear it. I will listen to it at some point mm-hmm. soon so I get the proper reference, but when you just list out and write out what he wrote in a diatribe, you're like, dude, okay, so, yo, so, imagine, like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, whoever wrote this is fucking him over. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, imagine, like, a nine-to-five and, like, everybody's at a, like, a team meeting, right? Yeah. Do you guys do that, by the way? That is interesting. In the nine-to-five, folks, Connor, you don't fucking know, don't need an answer out Okay, of you. fair. Foxy, you've never had any other fucking job other than this one. <laughs> okay, I don't need to hear from you. Ty, you were a nine-to-five guy? Uh, I mean, yes and no. I mean, I worked retail, so like you did work nine to five, you know, a lot in there. But Nick would probably be a better person to ask about. So Nick, corporate stitch. Yeah. Yes. Nine mm-hmm. to five stitch. Did you guys have, by the way, I didn't mean that to every, like it feels like everybody that's at 9 to 5 just got called a stooge. I'm just saying our particular 9 to 5 stooge that we would like to rely on is Nick. Yeah. And it's our friend. I was a corporate stooge. Yes, you are <laughs> our corporate stooge. I appreciate that. One, hey, paid a lot of money to go to a lot of schooling, to get a lot of education, to become said corporate stooge. You did a great job with it. Did you guys have team meetings every day or oh, weekly? Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, every day, and then and then like sometimes weekly or monthly, they do like massive meetings where they get the whole floor or even the whole building into a room, and they'd have like an assembly type situation where you know they'd try and make it like a sports atmosphere. Like all no, right, like wow. a pep rally. Yeah, kind of, all right, all right, guys, we're gonna have someone coming and speak, and then we're gonna you know we're gonna knock them dead this week, or we're gonna we're gonna do great, and this is what we're gonna try and accomplish. And Here's how, how we sell this shit. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but the team meetings—that's every morning. What do you guys do? You just roll out of your cubicles down to one corner of the building and everybody talks is it like wolf of wall street they get up on a stage how's it go oh, i've never I wish been... it was like wolf of wall street and there <laughs> were people being thrown around and and, and booze bouncing around and oh, yeah. fish oh, no it was stuff. uh Whoa. it was much more tame than that He's you just sat down like you yeah. said everybody rolled out of their cubes you go down to a, a big conference table and everyone would just kind of give updates on what they're working on a lot of legal and, notepads you get the the leadership would come down with the directives and the objectives for the week and you guys are having meetings just to have meetings, right? Yes. These have no purpose. Let's have a meeting to get ready for the meeting this afternoon. Okay, yeah. yeah, bingo. So it's all just passing a buck. So for, I never, nine to five, never would be able to, by the way. I don't know how anybody does it, but I'm very thankful for all they do because. Yeah. Love you. It's an excuse for snack time as well. That boy, Z. Well, Z, then we're not even getting into it. Come on. Come on. Get Taco Wednesday, 9 a.m. Yeah. Hell yeah. All right, let's get back to that. <laughs> Extra onions. <laughs> so you, guys, you, you understand what a team meeting is then, but our team meetings, I think a little bit more either serious or actual, there's reasoning for it as opposed to just passing time and having a meeting. Team meetings are a big deal because like what your person is saying, uh, hey, like setting the tone, like, hey, there's team meetings are hey, here's how today's going to go. Here's what we're focusing on. Here's how we're answering or talking about this type of thing. Here's how this is going. Like the team meetings have actual initiative. They start every single day, uh, special teams meeting, then team meeting first. Obviously, the first meeting of the day is the most important part, special team meeting, normally the earliest in the morning, by the way. (laughs) So a lot of faux enthusiasm in there is a big deal. Oh, 7 a.m. meeting. Okay, here we go. Every (laughs) single day for five months. All right, here we go. Does anybody want to be here? No, all right. So I got to come in there and be like, hey, okay, here we go. Be 
people think this is us just now, and this is me. This has always been me. Ask anybody that has ever been there. Every 7 a.m. meeting, at some point, I was going to work in. This is going to be the greatest meeting of all time. <laughs> this is going to be the greatest meeting of all time today. Oh, shut up. Hey, hey, hey. hey. Not with that attitude. Okay. <laughs> Today's and the day. Anytime you can really, you know, spark some sort of energy out of people, that meeting is going to be better. I did not bat a thousand. I, did, I don't think I got good energy out of everybody in every meeting, but I feel like, and Tom McMahon can speak on this more, I feel like I was an asset in there for a potentially monotonous meeting. Which oh, yeah. You're doing the same shit, okay? Football is the same thing. Your form's the same. Uh, tackling's the same. Your eyes are the same. Schemes might be different, but basically every meeting is just a reminder of everything you know and then a little bit of a change in something that you have to think about. So it can get a bit tiring. So me telling Tom McMahon that what he's saying in the middle of a meeting abruptly, telling, hey, you're full of shit, Tom. Like just <laughs> yeah. in the middle of a meeting, good, properly timed, can get a good pop out of people. It's like those meetings, I could see how needing energy in them is a big deal, which leads us to the rest of what Cash has had to say. And the dude who walks in, the CEO, and he's like an old dude, all right? A little sexist there, by the way. Whoa. Who you know just plays no games. So, like, when he walks in or she walks in, it's dead quiet. Like, everything stops, right? All phones get put away, all laughter, any type of the chit-chat, done. Okay, nobody plays around with Bill. I mean, nobody plays with Bill for the most part, says Marsh. So he walks in there, and then he comes up to, like, the podium, and he addresses the team for, like, 45 minutes to an hour every morning. That is not normal. I don't, I mean, I've only three coaches, I think. Two coaches? Two coaches in the NFL, but three coaches, including Rich, four coaches with Bill Stewart. Team meetings can have different lengths, but normally not longer the better. Normally it's uh, the first Wednesday is when you're installing everything, setting it, here's the keys, here's this, what we look for, offense, defense. That one's a little bit longer. You know, yeah. in my experience, that one has been a little bit longer, maybe 45 minutes to an hour. Mm -hmm. But then as the week rolls on, normally in my, the people I've experienced, it's just like in there, reminders, thoughts, 15 minutes, 20 minutes max. Okay, so it's just kind of like, hey, let's keep this moving because there's another meeting, individuals coming next, and yep. then you just kind of move it forward. So 45 minutes to an hour every Every morning, he talks about the GM's history for the other team. So he's Bill Belichick is explaining why the general manager is the general manager, how this team was constructed, why this team was constructed, yes. and who and why we might attack where we're attacking. Talks about the team's history, okay? This team was once here, now they're here, okay, got it. He talks about the defensive, offensive coordinator's history. So this guy grew up in this tree, he potentially has these types of tendencies, but he also did this and this, look for this in this particular setting, just like this son of a bitch used to do he's been doing this for 50 years in football or whatever Wild. and whenever we would talk to michael lombardi uh who was formerly of the patriots and of the browns and he's an author and has a show and everything like that he would break down the trees of people he comes from this tree mm -hmm. and in this tree this is how they go about doing things he comes from this coaching tree this is how they do contracts yes. this coaching tree this is how they do this situation this situation this is how they do two minute four minute this is how so it's all of the team's history, defense coordinator's history, the way they used to run their defense, the way they're running the defense now, the history of all the coaches. Hey, when this pops up, this player is being told by this particular coach, although he's only been there for a month, this is what this guy relies upon. All that information, and this is, I don't ever want to go against what a player says. 
Okay, I'm, I'm sure. very much a pro player guy. It is not easy to be in the NFL. It is very difficult. There's a lot of great fucking players who never make it in the NFL. So it's it is not. But what he is saying here, whenever it's typed out, he looks like a fucking stooge. Yep. Okay, because this is what every fan would be like. I would hope that this is what you are doing in these meetings. And the more situational awareness about everything that is a part of the team, we would hope that is what you're... He would go on to say in Seattle, they had basketball shooting things oh. and they compete every single mm-hmm. day and it was a lot more fun, college vibes, upbeat uh, vibes. And when he says we would compete every day, imagine him telling Bill that when we were in Seattle, we'd be shooting hoops and we compete every day. We Bill's compete. Like, what? What are you competing for? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what Bill's. What are you competing for? Uh, well, who won the shootout that day? He's, okay, you know, I'm looking for number seven. Okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's. Uh, I'm. I'm just looking for the seven. Shooting hoops. That's all. I'm. I'm not. We're competing every day. Guess what? Uh, to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. That's, that's. But once again, there are so many different ways to go about doing things. Mm-hmm. If Cassius was coming from Seattle, where it was lively, which I've heard of, and it. Everything like I've heard about and everything like that. It's upbeat. And then you go into that. You could see how he potentially would be like, man, this is nothing like what these hour-long meetings in the morning, half-hour-long meetings in the morning used to be like. But I think whenever you say it publicly, you're going to get ridiculed for it because as a player, I would have enjoyed listening to some. Now, three, four months in, I think it would get a little bit old if every single morning you were getting a full NFL Films history diatribe. For sure, yeah. But if you got to frame your mind around like, okay, I'm getting a chance to hear the history of the fucking game, basically. And that is why every situation they're normally have had a head on, that is why the players seem to be smarter in situations. That's why whenever you see the Chargers last year, whenever they were running out of bounds in mm-hmm. four-minute offense when they were in the lead or something else like that, it's like, okay, that is losing situational football. That is low football IQ. In the Patriots, the Patriot way has always been, hey, we're going to have high football IQ. We're going to work very hard. We're going to win situational football. We're going to win the middle eight. We're going to win two-minute. Yeah. We're going to win mm-hmm. all this shit. Like That's what they do. They take care of the little things. And it's because there's an entire history lesson being given not only about football but every single coach you're playing against now old buddy threw a pick with under two minutes left in field goal range yeah. before the half and there was some oh, Hoyer situation there, right. there was a couple non-patriot situations this last year Sack. which really made me think like oh have they lost it because what they've had for so long is just an impeccable football iq Everybody on the team seems to know, oh, we got to keep him in bounds. Oh, this guy, whenever he's out here, he's prone to do this. Like, there's just always preparing. It comes from these meetings. So when a coach is an assistant coach there and goes to be a head coach somewhere else and tries to institute all of these things mm. like everybody else has that has come out of the Belichick tree, B-Flow seems to be having uh, some, some success down in Miami. Yeah. We will see. But he seems to be having some success down there. But a lot of Belichick's coaches don't have success. And I think it's because they try to implement everything that Bill Belichick has into their world. I've seen this work here in New England. We won all the time. I'm going to model it after what Bill has done. But whenever you go in there and start doing that and you don't have the resume that Bill has, it's hard to get people to buy in to every single day doing all your shit whenever you don't win. If you win, it's like, okay, I'll believe what you're saying because we're winning and it's working. But if we're going to do this and we're going to continue to stink, like it's going to be tough to get a bunch of grown men to buy into that thing. And I think that is why his coaches have failed. Joe Judge, though, 
whenever you listen to uh, Saquon talked, and I think Danny Dimes talked, yeah. mm-hmm. and others talked, they said, we needed this. And they actually have faith and trust in him because he's been at a place that has won. How long will that last? How many years will he have this year? If they don't do well, they lost Saquon last year. But if they don't do well this year, will they still have that mindset of, like, he's the right guy? It's tough in the shadows of New York City. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that Bill Belichick coaching tree is a fascinating one. I can't wait to talk to Shregs here in about eight minutes. Well, something. and for Judge, Judge was in, you know, a perfect position with the Giants. Like you said, they said, you know, we needed this young quarterback, young running back, haven't really been in the league for a while. Whereas, like, Patricia goes to Detroit, tries and do this Vets. to Stafford. Yeah. Yeah, they, they got a bunch of vets over there. So it's like, hey, you, you got to pick and choose where you can. And also for Judge, you know, they're bringing in players. I can't remember the last time, like, the top receiver, Kenny Galladay or whatever, in free agency was like, yeah, I want to go play for Joe Judge and the Giants. Or I, I feel like a, as though that hasn't happened often. So maybe they will switch it around. It's NFC East. Anything can happen in that division. We'll talk to Shregs about it, obviously. And we could just listen to the entire flying coach, but... This seems to be a great refresher for me. Yeah, we got to talk to <laughs> yeah, him about it. I love talking to Shregs. They're back on TV. Shout out to Shregs going back to work. Way to go, Shregs. But talking to him about that, because the owner of the Giants yeah. came out and said, I'm tired of losing. Yeah. <laughs> Tell so, his buddies. Hey, we will overpay for people. We do not care. People are saying that the Giants overpaid for people, overpaid for people. The Giants are like, we don't care. We are finally getting in the game. Here we go. They believe in Joe Judge, it seems like. Excited to hear what Schrager's actual thoughts are because McVeigh's quote is fine and dandy, but I mean, right. everybody has said that probably about every Bill Belichick assistant yeah. that has gone out like, oh, situation, because that's what Bill is. And McVeigh has a lot of respect for Bill Belichick. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. He has a lot of, we've heard that, we've seen that, and all that. And everybody, I think, in the coaching game has a lot of respect for Bill Belichick. But I, if he doesn't know him, it's like, I guess it's going to happen, but who the fuck knows, really? I, I mean, don't you think a big part of this stuff, too, is these guys who come from Belichick's coaching tree, they go elsewhere and realize, like, oh, shit, well, we, I, I don't have Tom Brady. And he wasn't playing for under market value for, you know, 14 years or whatever. So that, you're saying the only reason why Bill Belichick has had success is because Tom Brady I, played for under market value? No, no. What I'm saying is hour-long team meetings in the morning? <laughs> you son of a bitch, Ty! What, wow. I'm, what I'm saying is if Danny Dimes isn't any good this year, then they're probably going to get rid of him and he's going to have to do it with a different quarterback. So like, it ultimately comes down to who you know who you have playing quarterback. All right, we'll get to a break here in a second. We have to address uh, the arrest that happened 9.08 Eastern Daylight Time, 6.08 a.m. Pacific in Washington. Current free agent and a man whose name is synonymous with the NFL, Richard Sherman, has been arrested on burglary domestic alleged burglary domestic violence this morning. Uh, we looked up this, this. This happened. I mean, the release of this happening came shortly after we went live. King County public records state that he was arrested for burglary domestic violence and it's being investigated for a potential felony i think that is standard protocol for a charge like this he does not have bail and we looked into that even more with the washington state there was uh, mike florio pro football talk said that normally uh if a player has an agent which richard sherman does not an agent would be able to call and make some uh potential calls to help out their client if they're in jail drop everything and do that to get him bail 
actually in Washington, domestic violence offenses, defendants shall be held in non-bailable status pending hearing the next court day following booking for any crime alleging domestic violence under RCW 10.99 or applicable? Yep. Applicable, applicable. Yep. That one got me there. Ordinance. Uh, so right now, there is an incredibly serious situation going on with Richard Sherman, who I thought, I think we all thought, was going to be a stalwart for the game for a long time. Mm-hmm. He was doing podcasts with Chris Collinsworth. He was buying, biding his time, I think, in free agency. Everybody thought maybe after training camp he'll come back. This is obviously a disgusting allegation once again we as a show will always stand behind if this is real we want justice to be served to the 10th degree if it's not we hope that gets covered as well we'll keep an eye on the story but it doesn't look like he's going to be up for bail until at least seeing a judge uh and who knows how that whole thing is going to pan out out there sad scary situation for richard sherman and uh i guess we just kind of got to keep an eye on the whole situation. yeah it's too bad because i think we i mean the general thought was that he was going to be signing here somewhat soon right like with training camp coming maybe wait a little bit into camp but i mean who knows when that next court date is that obviously kind of screws everything up he was hosting podcasts yep Mm -hmm. he was doing business i mean he was he was getting out there he was becoming one of the voices not that he wasn't one of the names he was Coming, one of the voices of the game as well. Mm-hmm. This is obviously incredibly devastating to hear. This is a massive ordeal. Hope everybody is safe in this situation. Yep. Obviously, something happened, but scary stuff. Hope everybody's all right. If he did it, kick him out of the league. Uh, don't need that representing the NFL. Nope. The league's too goddamn good to have that. And if he didn't, I guess we'll just have to see how this whole thing plans mm-hmm. out. Very serious allegations. <laughs> We have some big news for you. Your favorite men's healthcare brand, Roman, is now available at Walmart. Roman's non-prescription products have got you covered with everything from sexual health. Aaron, you're about to get back in the game, by the way. Let's go. Should send him some. We should. Or just send them to Walmart because it's available there. Roman and Walmart. And everything from sexual health to everyday health. Your well-being is important and taking care of it should be simple. Now you can add to cart in real life. Roman now available at Walmart. We're in your area. Let's go take care of it. And also, special Roman condoms are new and exclusive to Walmart. You won't find them anywhere else. Designed ultra thin, lubricated for pleasure, and FDA cleared because safe is sexy. Hell yeah. Roman swipes are an easy, discreet way to delay ejaculation and increase sexual stamina. They're fast-acting, and your partner will enjoy them, too, because there's no passed-along desensitization if you use it as intended. Longer, better sex with Roman swipes. Roman condoms keep you safe. And also, they got testosterone supplements. They got hair supplements. Roman has everything to make you the best you possible. Visit your local Walmart store today and check out Roman's line of men healthcare products. All clinically tested, make you best you possible. We have an update, actually. Just read through an article here on the Richard Sherman situation that is 
Potentially being investigated for a felony. We got more information regarding the story via ESPN.com. This morning in Washington, Richard Sherman was taken into custody. A 911 call came from a residence at about 2 a.m. Uh, the person calling said that an adult male family member who did not live at the residence was attempting to force his way into the home. When police arrived, the suspect was located outside the home. He fought with police but was eventually apprehended and taken to a local hospital to be checked but was cleared and then booked into the King County Correctional Facility. That's via ESPN.com. So he was trying to break into a house of a family member is what's being reported. And then whenever they got there, he resisted arrest more so than yeah. anything. I think the way this was titled domestic violence, uh, I, maybe by the letter of the law, this is potentially because it is a family member's home or something like that. Yeah. But burglary domestic violence as the charge was not anywhere near what I thought I just read right there. I, I I don't know the laws inside and out, but I hope that everybody reads like we just did, and hopefully we can satellite this thing that Richard Sherman was allegedly attempting to get into a family member's house that he did not live at. When the cops got there, he had not made it inside the house yet. He resisted arrest outside, was cleared by medical, then taken in for burglary, domestic violence. Would that be because of emotional? Like, what was Trying that? to break in. He may have been threatening something when he was outside, you know, screaming into the house. Oh, so or threats maybe. or something yeah. like that could happen. Because it does say in the article, like later on down there, that no one was hurt in the okay. so ensuing altercation. We're not saying that any of that is right, but I think the immediate thought once you hear domestic violence is okay, he attacks somebody, hits somebody in his family, his. his his spouse, maybe yeah. a child, a nephew, a cousin. That is, though all those things have happened before. That was not the case. He was apprehended outside. Still, obviously, not great for anybody, including the NFL and Richard Sherman, the family. This is not good at all. Hopefully, he'll be okay. Uh, he'll. I, let's assume he gets bail whenever he gets in front of the judge today. More will come out from this story. We assume because it is Richard Sherman. It is the NFL. It is the off season, and the words burglary, domestic violence are associated with this i would assume there's more details to come we'll just kind of play it by ear well and, and to ty's point they said nobody got hurt but did you think they took him to the hospital because he might have you know been banged up or something like that or boozed or, up, maybe. Maybe. Boozed up? Yeah. i think that is my first as soon as i saw this was you know like alcohol is an unbelievable thing yeah. okay mm -hmm. alcohol can make people do things that they have never thought that they would be able to do before in a positive fashion whether it's courage dancing let loose have a personality alcohol has done a lot of good things for a lot of a lot of people for a long time but there are some things that whenever a human mixes with alcohol and something happens that absolute disaster happens and i'm not saying this is that case that would yeah. be me jumping to conclusions but it feels like a lot of these situations we hear about alcohol is shortly behind it i never heard that richard sherman had anything like that maybe something else happened who knows we'll kind of keep our ear to the ground there but anytime you're banging on a house at 2 a.m 3 a.m you think he's probably not sober and uh, hopefully they'll be able to work this all out, and I'm happy nobody was injured. Yeah, so. especially with him, because this does seem so out of character. I mean, it's not like I know him or anything, and he, you know, everyone goes back to, like, the Aaron Andrews thing and him being brash, but, like, uh, you know, I think, I mean, like, this does seem very out of character for him. Like, he doesn't ever have, you know, off-the-field stuff going on, so you do assume at the time it was, too, he was probably boozed up. All right, joining us now is a man who might know more about the inform 
our situation. One of the hosts of Good Morning Football, which was an Emmy-nominated show. No wow. way. Yeah, he's also a host of the podcast called Flying Coach on Spotify, which Ooh. will probably all, uh, also be up for some awards. Mm-hmm. Spotify's big deal. This oh, show yeah. is incredible. Today's guest was Joe Judge alongside he and Sean McVay. Ladies and gentlemen, Peter Schrager. What up, dude? What's up, man? How you doing? Hey, you know, we just read the uh, ESPN.com article about Richard Sherman. Felt like I was, you know, as I was reading it, I was almost thankful for what I was hearing about the situation. Do you know anything more about that? Have you heard anything about that? And how does this play out? Because burglary, domestic violence sounds incredibly awful, obviously. And I'm not saying what he did was right, but him getting arrested outside of a house that he was trying to get into that a family member resided, it's still messy, but it's not, I mean, it's not what we all potentially thought there at the beginning, right? Don't have all the details. In fact, I don't have any details on my own reporting yet. I literally just got done with Good Morning Football when this thing happened, but saw the NFLPA put out a statement. I saw that obviously the report came out and the arrest uh, details came out. Here, What's interesting is a lot of times um, players are represented by big-time agents, and the agents can get ahead of the story, and they can say, here's what's happening. No, like, not you, Schrager. Don't do it. Sher- Sherman represents himself. Oh, I'm don't, not doing it, but like, do we'll it. know more don't when do. he speaks You and himself. Florio at have, this point. I mean, have a whole, you know, so we'll see what happens, but I certainly don't know any of the details. There's been no communication with anyone from Richard Sherman's camp about this yet. Okay, so, so you hate that he represents himself, huh? No, no, I don't care. Are you kidding? I don't care. I, I, I can't I care? I mean, it seems like there has been a few people that immediately upon seeing this absolutely terrible news break, I have not checked anything online. What has been the feedback from the pro-agent community? I don't know. Exactly what you said. <laughs> exactly what you said has been the, the pro-agent. And not, by the way, agents serve a vital role in this entire thing. But with burglary, domestic violence, there is no bail until he's in front of a judge. And I think that type of thing, I don't know what agent could potentially save burglary, domestic violence from getting out there. But I do appreciate the fact that you have to put over the people who have helped you out along the way, the agents. So I, I do appreciate that, Shregs. Not just you. Me? I'm not talking about you. Shregs, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the pro-agent community uh, out there. Who is your agent? I don't... So... That's the thing. Like, I was also arrested without an agent, okay, at one point. So the whole, like, hey, the agent would have helped you out. It was like, I don't know if that's the case. Mine, much different than this. It was a public intoxication. The team, though, him not being with a team. That's I th- a great point. I think him So not- now you don't have team communication. There it is. You don't have an agent who's not behind bars at the moment. And is in it. So you have two different situations where there could have been different communication channels. I can't comment on what happened yet because I'm not on the ground in Seattle and I'm certainly going to work my phone and get all the things I can. But it's a different kind of deal where we're an hour removed from this news kind of hitting. And I don't think anyone knows the clear cut story yet. So it would be presumptuous for me to even comment on it. Okay, so you're saying, okay, so he hasn't been able to clear up what we read potentially Mm -hmm. as a story as well. Excited to hear how that pans out. Hopefully everybody's okay. Hopefully he gets help if he needs it. Hopefully the family's okay. Let's move along because you have hey. A lot of people are going to be interested in hearing today's show. Doesn't seem tireless in the first 20, 25 minutes, he said. We will finish it up as we go here. But a lot of people said McVeigh and Joe didn't really know each other that well. This wasn't like uh, one of McVeigh's boys on the show. So there's a lot of football talk early. Then at the end, McVeigh goes on to say the Giants are going to be a team. What was your thoughts on this week's flying coach? And what were your thoughts on uh, Joe Judge? 
So I've got a relationship with Joe Judge. I asked him on Sean McVay. Quite frankly, was like I don't I don't know the guy that well, so it might not be the same kind of banter we usually have. I'm like that actually will make for a more interesting podcast because you guys can come at it from two different angles. Of course, McVay comes from the Shanahan Gruden tree, which is a million coaches. And Joe Judge comes from the Belichick and Saban tree. I think this hour with Joe Judge that Sean McVay and I did is the most candid we've ever heard him. He's a real human being. He's funny. He's got a dry wit. But he really goes deep dive on what made the Alabama Crimson Tide and the New England Patriots so successful and why he's hoping to bring that to the New England to the New York Giants. One highlight of it was a story he told um, in light of all this talk of like, it's not fun to be a New England Patriot. And I love this and you'll love it too. So this was after Julian Edelman had just served four game suspension for whatever happened off the field. And he comes back into the building and all the talk was, it's not fun to play in New England. It's not fun to play in Foxborough. Not fun to do this. And you've been hearing that all season long. This is early 2018. They get into the building and on a giant whiteboard, like an old school whiteboard, they have monitors in there, like, but an old school whiteboard that you'd see in the front of a meeting room. Winning is fun <laughs> in marker. Boom. And that was from Julian Edelman, who stormed into the room his first day back from being away for four weeks. And then they went into it and Joe Judge is like, it, it let the entire air out of the room. It's true. He's like, for eight years, I won three Super Bowls with my best friends. It was really fun. Yeah. Winning is fun. And a lot of guys might have different motivations, and it might not be the same as other places. But in New England, you win, and that's what's fun. You get to win with Tom Brady. You get to beat teams in the Super Bowl, and you get to be on primetime every week if you want to be. So his whole deal and that New England deal about, you know, it's just a, it's a slog to play up there, and it's miserable. His thing was to watch your brother hoist a Lombardi trophy, not once, not twice, but three times in an eight-year span. It was pretty damn fun. And he's like, Edelman said what a lot of us wanted to say, but we couldn't say publicly. Yeah, and Shregs, that comes right after Cassius Marsh said something on Two Bears, One Cave alongside Tom Segura about his time in New England and how the morning meetings weren't fun. And in Seattle, they were shooting hoops and you're competing every day. And it was like, what are you competing for, though? Because if you you tell Bill Belichick, just – as a let's just throw it out there let's just throw it out there like Cassius was going to tell Bill that he didn't find his meetings fun enough or whatever and he goes up to Bill and says in Seattle we're shooting hoops and doing everything mm-hmm. like that and we compete every we compete every day up yeah. there and Bill would, the only question would be what are you competing for like are we competing for Super Bowls or what are you competing for and the winning is fun thing Rich Rodriguez my, I love it Rich Rod give me okay so Rich Rodriguez uh, he ran. I mean, he will not go down in the histories of the Bear Bryants in the... Uh, oh, he was a successful coach with you guys, and it, it, for sure, in Michigan, too, at a time. Yeah, we won. We won a lot. He would have won at Michigan, too, if they would have let him continue to bring his people in, by the way. <laughs> yeah. He, he would have been able to win there, especially now after getting a look at the Big Ten and how that whole thing has panned out. But he said, you know, because there was a couple murmurs from some players about how miserable it was, you know. And he said, uh, you know what I find fun? kicking somebody's fucking ass (laughs) and then he walked out of the room right and it was like one of the best things of all time and i was like all right now we know what gets rich rod going you know just beating the fuck out of somebody but that's there's different ways to do everything and if somebody has the success that they have like bill it's easy to get people to buy in on that like hey this will be miserable but we're gonna win a lot of 
Bill Belichick's coaching tree, though, I think they take what they did in New England. They saw have success in New England. And when you don't win and the resume doesn't match the whole thing, people can't buy in. What are his thoughts on the Giants team? Because last year, everybody said, we needed this. Saquon said it. I think Danny yep. Dimes said it. Is that still the motive? And how long does he, does he know he has like a shelf life on this thing before he has to win? Makes no excuses for last year. But when I brought up Daniel Jones, he said, hey, look, Rookie the first year gets thrown into the mix. Last year, learning a new offense, COVID. We start out 0-5. He gets hurt. He plays hurt. And then we had this weird situation. He's like, Daniel Jones is the leader. Daniel Jones is the man. And I didn't know because, you know, you're like, he inherited this quarterback. What's he really think? Instead, I didn't know Daniel Jones from Adam when I walked in the building. First person to introduce himself. And he says, this kid is so tough. So tough. He played really hurt last year that the rest of the team respects the hell out of him. He's smart. He's got a big arm. And I feel like all of that dialogue about Daniel Jones was almost about the team as a whole. That, hey, last year we started out 0-5. They go 6-10. and They win the Week 17 game against Dallas, which a lot of people probably thought he didn't even do anything. He said, we did it. We finished strong. And McVay was really throwing him some flowers on that and just being like, to come from 0-5 and turn it around, like there's good momentum there. And you can tell this team got better every single week. Now, if you're Joe Judge, you're looking at the situation. It's now year two. You know it's your guys. He's hired so many of these Alabama coaches to be with him. Like the entire staff is guys he's used to work with, whether it be Jeremy Pruitt or Freddie Kitchens. And then you go into Amos Jones, who he was with at Mississippi State. Like there's a ton of different guys. It's his team, and this guy is all dialed in. And I would find it really hard-pressed if you're a Giants fan to listen to this hour and not walk away from that being like, all right, we're at least an eight-win team this season. This guy, this guy's too dialed in and too good as a coach and is saying all the right things about team building for us not to be able to do it on the field. Okay, so they're not going to be 500 still this year. So, so what do you, you think um... – <laughs> 17 games, you know what I mean? So that's 8-9. True. Eight. Yeah. But that's NFC East. Matt might, that's hey, that might, might do a trick. That might be a home field playoff or a home playoff game. Um, Can I tell you a good one, Pat, real quick that he said that you love? He uh, he says when he interviews with the with the Patriots, like he's up there, he's got no idea, he's got no shot, he doesn't know. He's coming from Southern Miss. He gets up to the Patriots. Belichick is meeting him. He says he's sitting there and Belichick takes, takes his shirt off in front of him while they're interviewing. He's like, what the hell is going on? And he's like, Belichick takes his shirt off. We keep the conversation going. He's like, I don't know what's happening here. I don't know if this is a mind game or what. And he keeps on talking. He's on putting another shirt, puts another shirt on. And then Belichick steps away and he comes back and he's wearing a different pair of pants. And this is all during the interview with Joe Judge. And Joe Judge is like, I'm, I'm fine to be the assistant special teams coach. And this guy's getting full of change. They wrap it up and he's like, what was all that? He asked him later. He's like, oh, Belichick had a banquet to speak with, speak at it like a half hour later. But, you know, he just multitasks. He just he does seven <laughs> things at once. So he just got changed in front of you during an interview. But that's no big deal. That's just what Bill does. He's on a clock. I'm like, oh, my God. What are your thoughts on punting? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. Yes, he he's GM, coach, banquet, Bob Crafts liaison I mean, uh-huh. he's got a lot of gigs it's amazing nobody will be able to do what bill has done ever nope. again it's too much time it's too much responsibility it's too much pressure it's too much lights but you can only do that whenever you win if that thing would have been a big disaster early i don't know if they would have stuck with it they're lucky they did there was i saw a game this past weekend on uh, nfl network because you guys all took off mm-hmm. last oh, week oh yeah, yeah i remember that so we were what you remember hey hope you enjoyed it by yeah. the way yeah. great to great. see you back great to see you back Woo! 
He was at the Browns stunk, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was at Browns stunk. Goes over to the Giants, probably going to stink there, too, or right, writes on the thing, I'm out of here, I'm gone, right? And then just goes up to Jets, the wing. Jets, Jets, Jets. Jets, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Goes, he had success at the Giants yes. as the assistant with Parcells. Mm-hmm. But he goes to the Jets, says, I'm out of here. These coaches that have early failures, I mean, if we just watch the Belichick thing, like he was not great, right? Not great. And no, then, first year in New England, too, they were like 5-11. and 11. And then you just take yeah. off and dominate it. The, that patience doesn't exist anymore, I don't think. Like Joe no, Judge. Pat, his, his staff in Cleveland was Nick Saban was his defensive coordinator. Stinks in the he was the head coach. <laughs> yeah, few. Uh, they had Jim Schwartz on the staff. They had Thomas Dimitrov, who's the GM of the Falcons. They had Scott Pioli. I mean, the staff was – Loaded, Charlie. All the four future GMs and coaches of the league were all in Cleveland with him, and they couldn't win there, and he got blown out, and they and they and they fired him. So I mean, that's just that's just the NFL. Joe Judge, though, you're going to have to win over there, and they're going to get upset. And I guess he could potentially buy some reprieve because Danny Dimes isn't his guy, like you said. So he could potentially try to get another quarterback. But very fascinating over there because I like that they're making moves. You you wrote a book out of the blue. Is that a Giants book or is that just a, a, a deep sea book? What is that? Yeah, it was about orcas. No, I, uh, <laughs> I wrote a book with with Victor Cruz when they won the Super Bowl in 2011 and Victor Cruz got a giant book deal and needed someone to write it with him. I was in my twenties and all the giant sports writers were lining up to write this book. I had written a small article on him for GQ magazine and Victor was like, I like that article the best. Well, that guy write it. We hung out for a day and he chose me. So it's all about Victor Cruz uh, and his story, which undrafted guy from the streets of Patterson, New Jersey to go on and be like this sensation in New York. Um, and that was the first book I wrote. So yeah, Victor Cruz's life story. Okay. So you're a Giants fan. Like you're, you're... Yeah, I like the Giants. I like when the Giants are good. I live in New York City. When the Giants and Jets suck every year, it's not fun locally. It's great when the fan base is engaged and they're into it. So I do. I pull for Big Blue and I pull for the Jets. It'd be great if one of those two teams could make a make a more relevant stance in the NFL. What's Sean McVay doing right now? You think he's at some? He's in Tulum, Mexico, right now. Oh no! He, I'll tell you what, Pat. He went on vacation for a week with his fiance. They went to Europe. They had a great time. Whatever. He came back. I'm telling you, he is so dialed in. He's like, all right, no more BS with this podcast. We're done after this one. Like, we're, we got one more to go. He's like, we're done. He's like, I am dialed in. He's in his bunker. He's working. Like, the second July 4th ended, his season really kicked into high gear. And Joe Judge was saying the same thing. He's like, unless my wife drags me to the beach, I'm watching film right now. And I, my wife physically has to drag me out of the room. These coaches are wired, man. And it's the ones like that that are the ones that I'm most excited about because I feel like they got something to prove. Sean, um, because when you go on vacation, and I don't know if he's the same way as I, I, he seems like he and I potentially have similar personality traits and qualities. I don't know him at all. I met him one time at a UFC fight, I think, and then I just kind of went about my. He was cool, by the way. He was housing a couple beers with Andrew Whitworth, who is nine foot tall. <laughs> yeah. um, so big. But when you go on vacation, the first couple days are cool. It's like, all right, I get it. I'm on vacation. I get it. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And then, like yep. by the third day, you start like, all right, what are we doing? The same thing we did yesterday? No, we're gonna go. Yep. We're gonna go on a boat hey. this time. Okay. Ah. And then by day like four and five, you're like, all right, as soon as I get back, I ain't fucking around anymore. And it's well, like you make a whole he also transition. Used it. It's funny because we talk a lot and he was talking about like, you know, he's on his phone the first few days. His fiance like, you got to put that away. But he read, he read a bunch of books. So like he read one book. I don't even know the title of it, but it was all about 
calm and zen and he came back and he was like all right i got this book it's good and then something pissed him off i remember and he started he went off you the handle, I'm like, what, happened yeah. to yeah. what happened to the zen yeah that's awesome he probably won't Namaste. stay has is he an art of war guy has he read that is he a big book reader He's Wooden Pyramid, loves the Wooden Pyramid of success. He's very big into business leaders and how they motivate uh, for leadership purposes, how you get the best out of every one of your employees. So he brings that stuff to the football team. Um, but yeah, he's he's Art of War type stuff. He's very uh, a prolific reader, and he'll quote that stuff a lot. I can't read good. Go ahead, Ty. Shrags, you just mentioned it. You guys got one more to go. Have you talked at all about a season two of Flying Coach? Because it seems like it has been wildly successful despite the limited promotion. And I know everyone I've seen really loves it. Have you talked hey, with... by the way, I mean, we are the biggest promoter for the show, right? You are the promotion. I, I feel like we are. Because, you know why? Because we're scouring for shit to talk about every single... Oh, I thought you were going to say because it's good. Well, hold on. So we're scouring for shit to talk about here. And then we listen to your show and it's just like, wait, who said what? Who said what? Yeah. How come nobody's talking about this? It's like, this should at least get a little. Should Spotify not give you a little bit of a push here at this? Or maybe a kickback for the amount of push we're giving. I mean, this is, we're really, we're the only ones pushing it. That show is fucking really good, yes. dude. It's a really good show. That means a lot. And I appreciate it. And um, it's one of those deals where there's not a lot of, headline grabbing stuff it's just hour-long conversation that you can work out to you can listen to on your ride and it's football it's for football hardcore football fans and you geek out and you get to see a side of these guys that you don't typically see so there's not going to be a ton of headlines of course the shanahan one made a ton of headlines because he said a lot of things joe judge coming out and talking about you know his career when he was at birmingham southern and he had to line the fields himself and also wash the players uniforms in division three and wanted to quit because he was part-time kindergarten physical education teacher that stuff's not going to make headlines but it's great to listen to and that's the kind of stuff i wanted to get out of it as for season two sean uh it's on him it, it was a lot of work and i know he loved doing it um oh, i'm not so sure he's yeah. down to do money's not a factor let's just say that so it's gonna have to be out of the goodness of his heart yeah and there's like a monday night football gig just he knows how that. good he is yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Nick. <laughs> Shrakes, we've been hearing some rumors about maybe a new Ben Roethlisberger this year, a slim and trim Ben uh, working on his diet. Have you stricter, heard anything his, about this? His diet is, go ahead, Nick. Stricter, stricter than, than Brady. Tom Brady. Stricter than Tom Brady. He's eating avocado ice cream. <laughs> wow. what? what could be stricter than that? Is he just not eating? What is Big Ben? Is this a new Big Ben? I haven't seen him, but I know this. That team, I know the vibe in that building. They have been so hungry since that loss to the Browns oh, and they have been watching and okay. listening and they are well aware of what people think they're going to be. The fact that they doubled down on bringing back Big Ben, the fact that they were able to bring back Juju after everyone figured he was going to sign a bigger deal somewhere. It's a lot of guys who have been disrespected in the media, disrespected by other teams and disrespected by the entire so NFL landscape. And they've got the one no, coach in the me. league who will probably lean into that more than any other coach possibly could, I would be shocked if the Steelers are not relevant and playing for a playoff game this season. Okay. Hell of expectations setter right there at the end. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Shrakes. We'll watch you tomorrow morning on Good Morning Football, yeah? Yeah, definitely. And thank you again, guys, for bringing me on and talking about the podcast. It means a lot. But honestly, thank you. Uh, you know how much I love you guys and how much I appreciate what you guys do on the show. Shrakes, thank you for giving us something to talk about weekly. We appreciate yeah, it. Ladies and gentlemen, Peter Schrager. Joining us today again. What? No. He's back. 
back-to-back days for the first time in about a month and a half. Super Bowl champion, college football champion, shot 10 under at the American Century Championship this past weekend, A.J. Hall. Good to see you, dude. Yeah, good to see you. Hey, I think tomorrow may might be three days in a row if I if I stay healthy and everything works out. So no fucking fingers right. crossed, right? Hey, watch that Delta strain. Yeah, be careful, yeah, there. especially out there. You know, you're out Lake Tahoe. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I heard that Delta strain was like. Um, What's that thing over in the water in Scotland? Uh, the Loch Ness Monster. I doubt the strands in like Loch Ness Monster over in Lake Tahoe, from what I've been told, going up and down. You were just mm-hmm. jumping maybe right into its home there. I just hope everything's okay. We'll be excited. This is not a laughing matter, AJ. Why are you laughing at that? If you get the Delta strain, you'd be in real problems. Klein. I was going to tell you the same thing. The Delta strain is something that we do not make fun of. You know that. I do not make fun of it. Never. You're the one giggling. Yeah, you're the one laughing. You just made light of it. You just compared it to the Loch Ness Monster. So I know you. Whoa, I'm saying it's as big as the Loch Ness. Are you serious right now? So you're saying it's not real then because the Loch Ness Monster most likely is not real. What are you talking about? Don't ask me. You're going to get taken off YouTube, man. You better watch. Not me. Hey, I want to let you know. I seen the Delta coming through the other day. I turned around and went the other way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You said no right. thanks. Not today, Delta. Not today. Okay. Listen to what I say. Down by the bay, eat some hay. I got out of there. All right. I ain't fucking around with this Delta strand. It's supposed to be. It's. I can't believe this is where we're at right now. But if we're gonna have this conversation, because you're gonna mock something, let's have it. The Delta strand uh-huh. allegedly spreads faster. No. A stronger. What? I mean, what are we? They are making this thing out to be like the Loch Ness Monster is what I'm saying. And I'm done with you laughing in the face of severity like that. You hear me, AJ? Thank you. It's, I, I know you're not speaking to me. You're, you're speaking out loud to yourself. So thank you. For no. This. no, no. Damn this you, This is not a I need to enlighten me situation out loud, okay? This is real. Hopefully you don't. Hey. We all hope you stay away from the Delta just like everybody else. Yeah, that's right. Stay safe out there. Stay safe, AJ. We hope to have you three days in a row. Thank you for traveling out here on Friday, by the way. Thank you, AJ. Thank you, AJ. Anytime you come near my desk, great things happen. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. no drinks allowed on Friday. Is that Celsius fridge still there? I'm going to have multiple during the show. It's fully stocked, actually. Yeah. They came in and they stocked this thing completely out. So what you need to do is not try to ruin the show. Don't turn it into a cuck show, by the way. I I didn't have this conversation with you before the last time you came into Mm -hmm. the studio and hosted this. There are some new rules, okay? We Mm -hmm. are in a much different time than we were the last time you came in. We will not be cucking anything. We will not be talking about any of that. Nope. You what? two, especially, you'll be with me. You won't be able to. You no, don't need no, to no, stir no. that. Don't worry. Nick, you don't need to get in there. Hammer down, boys. You don't need to be leading this man into conversations that we don't need to have in this particular studio. That's why we need to bring Sage in here every yeah, once yeah, in a while. That's right. To get everybody out there. YouTube's trying to come after us for saying that we had smoke in the uh, in the video or something. It was Sage. Yep. All right? And mostly because different. we had to get the positive vibes in this place because AJ's going to be here on Friday, yeah. and we have no idea what you're going to bring in here. I think you're going to lead a great show, AJ. Yeah, let's go, AJ. But we need to thank you. Hey, I know I, I know how important the show is. I, hopefully, you're going to call in for a little bit. But hey, I understand the responsibility that it, that it is to sit in that chair. I I don't stand up as much as you, but you know what? I can try to try to do my own thing. No, you don't have to stand up. Listen, you do you, pal. All right, uh, there, there's you no- still got all your props. Are all my props still there? <laughs> my props. See, that's the problem. There, you are already taking right. ownership yeah. over all the shit that I've earned. Ones. I'll bring some new ones. 
Well, I saw you. What you have? The baseball bat and the gun. The last time, mm -hmm. the glasses. The glasses still are here that you broke because you put your fat ass head on them. Come on, All right, so these things can't. You know what I mean? I can't wear these now. I mean, that's such is, a good compliment. I think a lot of people would be upset if they heard that about themselves. I take that as the ultimate compliment. It, right and there. by the way, I have a massive head as well. Mine's a little bit deeper, I think, than yours. Is, yours is a wider, wide son yeah, like of a, a shovel. Hey, we we talked about this with Sugar Sean uh, about the Moutinho fight a little bit, but. Do you think you were potentially supposed to be like an incredible boxer with how thick your skull is? You, your tooth got, what do you yeah, say, vaporized, disintegrated. disintegrated in your mouth on a play. You did not get a concussion. You did not miss anything. You used to lead that face into people's faces. That's why your nose has been busted so much because helmets have just been coming down on there. Yep. Never got a concussion. With how explosive you are, 4-4-40, 40-inch-plus vertical, being able to jump over somebody, plus that incredibly thick cranium, or were you supposed to be a boxer, maybe? Mm -hmm. Do you think you were supposed to potentially be a boxer or a fighter? I mean, I don't know. I think if, if you're going to be a boxer, you got to start that young. I, maybe it would have been fun to get in that from a young age, but I'm glad I, uh, I'm glad I played team sports. It would have been fun to box as well, but I think if I just did that, it would be I would have a whole different life, obviously. Those isolated solo sports very fascinating to me because they, they're playing sports but it's much different than any sport and everyone around them too though if you're the athlete like everyone there is they're not your teammate really they're all there to support you you are the goal you are what they're there to take care of whether it's trainers you know golfers have a million people on staff that i think that's just a different life to grow up like that well and different human you you become a different i think team sports i was very lucky to be on a team very, very lucky. I will say that for a long time. I never really, I don't think I've played any. Individual? I haven't. I have not played any individual sports ever. It's a different world over there. But I think with you, by the way, with your body build, you never think to yourself like, you know, the knees aren't that bad. People are making a lot of money to box people. Yeah. I am definitely more explosive than most motherfuckers out there, yeah. I can't get knocked out. I can literally just eat these punches from these people and I can go in there and just get a winning record real quick. Do you ever think about it? Has that been a thought? Because we've seen you do karate. Oh, yeah. yeah. We've seen you do karate. <laughs> you are dialed in on the martial arts. Have you, <laughs> have you thought about getting into the boxing world or no? No, I have not, man. I have too much respect for them. I mean, every, if you think you want to be a boxer, go to a gym and have like a 50% sparring session with somebody for two minutes and you'll be absolutely dead. Like it's an uphill climb, no doubt, for sure. I understand that, but I'm just telling you. No, I am not. I'm not tough enough. I don't think I could take those shots anymore. I think when uh, I was younger, whatever I could, I don't think, like I think you have a certain amount in your head, in your brain that you can, you can consume. And I, I don't want to, I don't want to get close to whatever that number is. You think there's a shelf life on having a good jaw. You think Matinho needs to walk into as many punches as possible. Cause at some point he won't <laughs> be able to do that. Whoa. Is that what you're saying? Or is that till death? I think that's kind of a till death thing. But when you see as fighters get older sure. and they get knocked out, it happens more uh, and more. Someone could have a Chuck you know, Liddell. It's like yeah, breaking Chuck. the seal almost, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It's like breaking the seal. Like once it happens, there's yeah. a chance that it's going to continue to happen. And you don't want to stare down the day that you lose your button because just like AQ, you know, AQ mm -hmm. with me. Oh, yeah. AQ, much tougher human than me, much stronger human than me. His career much better than Like, I love AQ Shipley. But as soon as I found out that he cannot take any type of movement with his spinal issue, I immediately let him know, hey, I'll fucking throw your ass around. That's just right. Remember, okay, remember that. I'll, I'll, hey. 
I'll put you in a fucking wheelchair if I have to. You like, you like spinning around? I, that got a good pop out of him, by the way. The day he was forced into his retirement, he called me to tell me all these things. He was devastated, and I was like, all right, how do we turn this around a little bit? So, <laughs> yeah. so I let him know that I would, hey, if I got to do it, I got to do it. For you, if one guy knocks out A.J. Hawk. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, my God. gravestone. Think of Connor. Think of Connor yeah, every exactly. Think of Connor every single day. Hey, there's a blueprint to knock you out, AJ. That's, uh -huh. that's tough. Because anytime you get in there, you're potentially going to get got. I mean, that is why I have so much respect for anybody that does any of these boxing things, which is why the only way you can really lose these is if you just get knocked out. And I thought to myself, a friend of ours here can't get knocked out. So nope. this mm -hmm. seems like a win, win, win. I think we'll be able to get you into it at some point, though, once you start seeing the amount of money that's made by people. Go ahead, Nick. I wouldn't, with AJ, I wouldn't worry so much about the knockout. I'd worry about his knees shredding that are being held together by the paper clips and gum bands he has in there. But did you see him tackle that guy? Was, oh, yeah. And he Wild. had to adjust. Were those golf shoes not easy to run in either? And you did a little couple two-step. The knees aren't that bad, huh? I mean, yeah, they're pretty terrible, but I, you know, I've been dealing with it for 15 years, so I know how to handle it. I can, I can figure it out. I'm uh -huh, not, I, I'm not running, and stopping, and starting and doing plyos and box jumps and stuff like that. But I can run in a straight line, okay, for 10 yards. Have you boxed before? Have you tried it before? Uh, yeah, a, a little bit. How'd you do? Oh, oh that was for, yeah, that's from this year. Still I never saw that. Burst. Yeah, it was a hell of a shot. And you actually lied to me. You told me that you did it and it wasn't that good of a shot. And then the, it wasn't. That's why you know it's. It, well, he caught the ball. Is that why you're so yeah, mad? Is that it was a good out. shot? The guy caught no, the I, ball. I told him like that was a hell of a catch, man. If you see, like, uh, no joke, the ball you can't really see in the video. It hit me right behind the ear in a terrible spot, and it was. It's Monster. still really painful to touch. Like I told my brother, like this may be my first concussion ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was terrible. Hey, he moshed you. I didn't know it was like that. I didn't know it was yeah. literally on your head. I mean, you. Wow. Hey, right in the back of my ear, right in a terrible spot. It felt like that. Just this, whatever the, that part of your skull. I felt like that whole area was broken. Well, I'm happy to hear it isn't. Right? Are you okay? Is no, it still? No, no. I, I recovered very quick. I feel good. Wow. See, even, even more, more so. <laughs> yeah. We need you to get into boxing. The Hammer Down boys are here. Gumpy and Diggs. Uh, home run dirt. Our All Star game was last night. Let's talk about it pretty quickly here. All Star game. Good, bad, betting wise. I had a plus twenty seven thousand uh, single game parlay. I thought was really going to go. It turns out the only thing that worked for me was Guerrero hitting a home run. Yeah. Yeah. I had a bunch of other stuff going on. Shohei hitting a home run. You only got one at bat, okay? And let's let's talk about it real quick. Shohei, leadoff hitter and starting pitcher, was a big deal in everybody's eyes. He threw nine pitches. Come on. He got one at bat, and then it's over. What are we even watching for? Baseball. Did you watch last night, AJ? I, I watched a, a decent amount, yeah. I, I agree, though. But they have to rotate him in. Everyone get their time. But Shohei was what everybody was there to see, I feel. So he loses the home run derby in epic fashion. Mm -hmm. He goes out. He gives up no runs, right? I guess he is getting the win, they're mm -hmm. saying, even though it was tied after one. I don't know how that whole thing works, maybe because it was the first inning. He didn't get a hit. But what I liked most about this, AJ, is Max Scherzer, the starter for the NL team. Yeah. Most competitive guy out there. He's got two different color eyes. This guy's a fucking psychopath, a maniac or whatever. I was thinking on my way out of the building, like, if the starting pitcher for the other team, I didn't know it was Scherzer at the time, if he was a real showman, you know, like an entertainer and he understood it, 
He would groove Shohei a high fastball. Mm -hmm. That's what he would do. He would groove Shohei a high fastball. And maybe it's because I put a pretty big amount of money on Shohei hitting a home run in it. I was like kind of thinking up angles on why it should happen or why it could happen. But if he was, and the All-Star game is what it is, and it wasn't the most competitive human on earth. I didn't know that was the guy. But if he would have just grooved him a high fastball and Shohei took it out, it's like, that's what we're here for? Then they start talking about how competitive he is. Scherzer, oh, competitive guy. He's a maniac. This guy's a psychopath. I'm like, oh, I remember this. I remember this. He's not going to do it. He did it. Oh, yeah. He did a 96-mile-an-hour fastball oh. high first pitch. It was almost like Scherzer was like, let's fucking see it, dude. Uh -huh. And I, as a fan... I was like, all right, Scherzer gave him the opportunity to do it. And he didn't back off, by the way. It was fastball, 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 I think, the entire time. And Shohei didn't take it out. I had a lot of respect for Scherzer. Ty, you are a representative for baseball community in the room. Um, how did you feel about the All-Star game and, and just overall in general? Yeah, I mean, like you said, everyone was there to see Shohei. He did get two at-bats. He, How'd he, he do the second one? I didn't see the second one. He grounded out in his second one. Son of a uh, so babe not, Ruth, huh? Not great, but... Uh, <laughs> What's your deal? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't. Well, oh, so you're telling hey. me that Babe Ruth would lose a home run derby and then ground out in the All-Star <laughs> game? I don't think That's so. That's not my babe. Well, Babe's not starting in the fucking All-Star game as pitcher either. Well, right? he should have been. No. No, he shouldn't have. He should have stuck. pitch a little bit. Didn't Babe pitch when he was oh, yeah. young? That was when he was at the Red Sox. Okay, mm -hmm. everybody remembers yeah. him when he was at the Yankees. I learned this All Star Weekend as well because they were me. putting over a show because of all this Babe Ruth talk, and they're like, not really comparable to Babe because what he's doing pitching wise is much more elite than what Babe was doing. And then Babe moved to the outfield, then a hitter, which is probably going to happen to show. Hey, everybody's saying I should, but Babe Ruth isn't. He's not winning the home run derby, then pitching, and then hitting a home run in the All-Star. I mean, that would be cool if he did. We thought Shohei was going to do it. He'll probably do it next year. Yeah, well, they didn't give him the chance. Babe didn't have Shohei's chances. Give uh, Babe Shohei's chances. Babe's winning everything. Mm -hmm. The game's Mickey Mouse. Always has been. Yeah. I mean, they, they, tried, they tried to give you know home field advantage for the World Series, but it was Mickey Mouse. Diggs, oh. your thoughts on the uniforms? The AL uniforms were... Absolutely horrendous. The blue ones were a little dark, horrendous. Yeah, Shohei looked good because Shohei looks good yeah. at everything. But I didn't think the, it was the away ones. The or, sorry, the NL ones, the white ones. I liked a lot. They were clean looking. And also, this is the first year that they've done that. I guess yes, a lot correct. of people were not happy that the individual uniforms were out there with a patch or a hat or whatever. I mean, it was all the drama that was around the game that was better than the actual game itself. That's baseball. Yep. Congrats to Shohei on a hell of a two days. Joining yeah. us now, he's a man who uh, is one of only. 32 people on earth to have the job that he has. He has a great southern draw. I believe he's from the city that we will be in on Friday night. He is currently the general manager of the Indianapolis Colts team, a team that is built and stacked and ready to go. Chris Ballard. Yeah! Oh, what are you doing? Working out? Let me tell you one thing that's great about Pat. You never got to worry about him overselling. Ever. <laughs> well, hey, the, hey, this team's ready to win a Super Bowl. Uh, the team that yep. this guy Hell has yeah. constructed uh -huh. right here, it is Super Bowl or bust, which is where you want to be. You earn that pressure. No, but for real, here we are. Pretty good into your stint as general manager for the Indianapolis Colts. You've built up a hell of a culture, what you wanted to do. You've turned around the entire building where, from where it was to where you are now. You feel like you're there. Going into this season, there has to be very high expectations in the building and belief. But what's your mindset? You can't get too far ahead. You can't just think Super Bowl or bust. What, what is somebody at your job that I would never have and I do oversell and overreact? What is your <laughs> thoughts? Because you have to have a successful expectations, but then you obviously can't get too high or too low what is your mindset 
Well, I mean, look, I mean, our own, I think, you know, just the organization, somebody called and asked me a question about Peyton the other day and what the expectations that Peyton set, you know, when he became the quarterback here. And I think that's just transformed over. That's what the organization's expectations are. I mean, the expectations are to win. Um, And there's a high level and there's been a, there's been a tremendous, you know, history of winning here. So those are the expectations. We understand them. Um, and we'll do everything we can to, to make this city and state proud. What about the expectations for, for Carson Wentz? You obviously brought him in. Everyone has a lot of high expectations for him. He came in and spoke with Pat in studio. was great. I guess, what are you expecting out of him this year? He's a big son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did not expect that, Chris. Do his job. You know, we, much like with everybody else, just do your job. Settle in. Do run the offense. Um, we're, not, we're not asking you to be Superman. Um, there'll be some weeks where, you know, we're going to ask him to, to make some plays that, you know, that are unusual plays that only a few guys can make. But do your job. That's what we're going to ask him to be. Be the best teammate you can be and, you know, be the, be the best you can be as a player and do your job, just like we do everybody else. You, okay, I don't know if you've heard me. All right, I assume you have. Pretty large show. Happens to be in the city that you reside. But, you know, as a football fan and as a Colts fan, because of all the friends that I have in the building and wanting to see the city and them succeed, I've had my own thoughts about things, especially after watching last year with T.Y. potentially. Now, injuries happen, but with T.I., eating up a lot of the coverage and you see a lot of these other teams that are having massive amounts of success being stacked at the weapon position so and i am just like you said a person that does overreact to things i mean i ride the wave there so when i hear julio is available when i hear these uh, i start going crazy i've listened to every interview you have had since then and since that move you have a lot of faith in these weapons that you've brought in. I don't think we've gotten to see any of them is basically what you have really told me because of situations. Is that how I should view this? And why Why am I so amped up on getting another superstar in the building, Chris? What's that all about with me, you think? Well, it's not just you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. We think, well, look, we think we, we got guys that can be superstars. Um, like one of the things that, like people don't like the unknown they don't they don't like i mean at some point you know guys pop up and they become great players and i think we have a couple young players that can do that we we have a strong belief in michael Pittman. um he's a big talented kid i think if you watched you know unfortunately you know he had this the shin injury last year that was pretty it it was a pretty severe injury and ended up coming back from um, but still finished the season strong. We saw the start that Paris Campbell had last year, and it was really strong. Um, he's got to stay healthy. He knows it. He's worked hard this offseason to get his body right so he can so he can have a big season. And then the guy that, you know, people just kind of brush over Zach Pascal, but, I, I mean, all he does is produce. I mean, he just goes out there and does all the dirty work, catches touchdowns, and produces. So we like the group as a whole. And then with T.Y., who we think, you know, still adds a a dangerous element to our team. You know, last year we finished second in the league in explosive plays. And, I mean, those were coming from somebody. I mean, somebody was having those explosive plays. So Second in the league? 
second in the league with explosive plays. Wow. Hey, who, so, who was telling you to get a weapon that you had to look up that? Well, somebody, my wife, <laughs> my kids keep telling me, will somebody give me this? Or is that just something you know as the season goes? Like, hey, we're pretty good at explosive plays. No, I mean, we track it, and and it's, a, it's something that we track. But we also, look, you always want to add great players, but then you've got to be able to fit it under your cap and and knowing that we have a bunch of really good players on the roster that we want to take care of um, and try to get their contracts done, um, it's a it's a it's a type wire. You're 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 walking on a type wire, and you have to be able to balance it. Is it hard, I guess, to stay away or not not hear all the noise outside whenever you want to make any kind of decision? I'm sure there's things you could do that would pacify the fan base at times and make them happy for the short term, but hurt the team maybe in the long term or you just can't work it out. Is it hard to sometimes, you know, block that out? And can you see that being an issue for other GMs or owners around the league? It's really hard, especially when your freaking kids are at home giving you shit about it. Uh, They want to know. I mean, they're on me as hard as anybody. So, uh, but no, I mean, look, we have a way that we want to build the team. And uh, Frank and I are very much in agreement on, you know, the direction we're going and how we want to build it. And that, look, to me, that's everything. Because when your head coach and GM and owner are all on the same page, um, you, don't, you don't worry about the noise. I mean, look, do I hear it? Absolutely, I hear it. But, you know, we believe what we believe and we keep moving forward. And, you know, we've made – I always laugh when people say we haven't made moves. I mean, holy shit, we just, we just freaking traded for freaking Buckner a year ago. We traded for Carson Wentz. <laughs> so, I mean, we've done things here to make moves that we think make us better. The salary cap's a big joke, isn't it? Hey, Chris, tell us. Tell us straight. Because you're, on. you're one of the only people that we can really yeah. talk to about this and give us an answer. And this has been a big talking point for me, and I assume the NFL will figure this out. Ray Lewis at one point was utilizing deer antler spray, okay? And then people found out about it, and then they started testing for it. It feels like people are always trying to stay ahead of the game in any competitive thing. These salary cap loopholes that seem to be happening, is it a loophole? Is it not a loophole? Am I I overselling what people are doing to hide money in places? And have you had to look into that other place? Like, what what are your thoughts on a salary cap, especially with the year after COVID and into the future? Is there any gamesmanship that's going to happen? Because Tampa is somehow figuring out how to spend $10 billion. And Kansas City's figuring out how to do it. Is Are those loopholes? Is that uh, uh, specific situations? Will everybody be able to do that? Do you see any change in the future in the, in the salary cap? Eventually, the bill comes due. You know, eventually, the bill, it, it's the salary cap's real. Um, whether you want to push things down the line to balance, you know, then eventually you're going to have to balance it out. Um, but the salary cap's real. And you've got to be mindful of it, you know, each and every year, um, or it's going to it's going to eventually creep up. I mean, all of a sudden you you make a big deal for a player to get over the top, and a year down the line or two years down the line, you have young players that you want to extend, and all of a sudden you can't extend it, and everybody's asking, well, why can't you pay these guys? Well, for these other moves I've made down the line, so. It's you've got to keep you've got to keep your eye on the you've got to keep your eye both on the present and on the future um, of how you're building it. That's that's probably I would tell you that's probably the hardest part of the job 
um, because of the expectations. But but the expectations we put on ourselves, our internal pressure to win, um, can't be greater than what anybody else puts on us. Um, so it's just something you have to balance and 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 measure out over time. And we have the right people in place to keep keep ourselves in check. Are you negotiating with anybody right now, or is that always happening? That's always happening. Big ones, though? Are we in the middle of some big ones right now? Well, the, what's your definition of big? Well, I guess, hey, your next move is your best move and your biggest move because it's the next move. But you know what? Are there some pillars that are going to be locked down for some time here in the near future before season starts, or is that something that's going to potentially be down the line? We hope so. We're working on them, and we hope we come to some agreements here. we got some really good players here, and they deserve to be uh, highest paid guys. Hey, they, uh, hey these right. guys. Hey, let's, Wait, make hold to, hold let's make sure we get these guys, <laughs> yeah. you know, all the money. Hey, mm -hmm. these guys deserve it. No, I'm joking, Chris. Hey, good luck in that, by the way, because hey. you've done great with these young guys. There's a chance that we could really get some pillars around here. Yeah, you want to keep like the longer like. All right. So AJ played for Green Bay, you know, where they were able to keep all their players and had a heck of a run. Um, but they did it because they were very disciplined in free agency. Um, well, they were almost non-existent in free agency. I mean, we're, we're more active than Ted was. But True. look, they drafted well, and they kept their players, and they, and they had a great run, which is you know, still going on today. So um, you know, we, we, we are probably a little more aggressive than they were in free agency doing some things, but we, we think their model was pretty good. If you build it, it will come. Uh, we're talking to Chris Ballard, general manager of the Indianapolis Colts. He and I uh, run our respective teams differently. Uh, but that is, <laughs> he's in the NFL. Okay. I, hey, well, uh, let me ask you. I got to ask you this. Okay. Did you call Telesco today? No, no. Would, no. Telesco, nope. would Telesco have done this? No. Yeah, you're, you know what? Hey, you're 100. We had a late cancellation. Yeah, I actually yeah. texted Chris from the bathroom earlier. We had somebody who's supposed to be on the cancel. I go, Chris, I know it's vacation time. Even though you're in your office, I know it's a downtime. Even though you're in your office, great to see you, by the way. Great, yeah. great to see that. Uh, we should have talked about that. This is really the only time off for coaches and anybody before six months of Groundhog's Day basically starts. And you said for you anything. So I want to let you know. Hey, I appreciate the hell out of you. Thank man. you, Chris. <laughs> what I did... Was I said, holy shit, I better get up to the office and they think I'm working. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know the game. You know the game there. Uh, go ahead, Connor. Yeah, Chris, how awesome is it to be able to draft a D-end in the first round and then just send the guy to the Dwight Freeney, Robert Mathis, pass rushing school? Hey, well, look, I mean, it, the, they set the standard. Those guys set the standard. And I always laugh when people just think we're going to just recreate that. You're talking about two Hall of Fame freaking rushers. And, you know, you could go a lifetime and not have two of them. So, no, it's good. And the impact that, I mean, look, Freeney, Freeney still, I mean, he talked to, uh, to Quiddy already, and Robert will get his hands on him. So, no, I mean, they, they have unique perspective. And they're also two of the, you know, two of the best to ever play. Okay, so this is partially my fault because I talk about the Colts the most, and I seem to only talk about the potential moves that could be made. Let's talk about the moves that you have made. That Quiddy Pay draft is huge. Obviously, you lose Houston, but that defense you have, it, it, Darius Leonard. I think we talked to him last year, or maybe it was Kenny. I forget who it was who said, "If you're, I think it was Darius. If you're coming here, like, be prepared to work. Like, your best players seem to be your most hardworking guys. And on that defensive side, you gave up." 
open number one for DeForest Buckner last year. He fit in right in time when he wasn't playing, by the way. Derrick Henry just ate. The pieces you have built in that team, hey, it has to be Super Bowl or Bud. Oh, like, yeah. If Car- that, that has to be whenever you're laying your head down to your pillow after your kids have already chewed you out for whatever move you made and everybody else is sleeping and you're getting ready to do the thing. It has to be exciting to see the team that you've built and you've kind of built it your way, right? Is that something you do or you won't do that till you're done? No, I mean, always it's always great. This time of year is always great because everybody, you know, they judge every move you made, and they've already got the they've already got the season figured out for you. So I always kind of go back after the season and say, okay, here's let's evaluate the work we did because we don't you don't know. I mean, do we feel good about it? Yeah, but look, there's 31 other teams that feel good about it right now. And are telling their owners and fans that absolutely we're we're freaking ready to roll. Um, I stay pretty pretty calm, um, and I'm pretty patient, and I'm pretty sober during this time. And then once we get the season, you know, through the season, um, we we absolutely. <laughs> uh, we're talking to Chris. No, but it's such a week to week league, and and the week to week reaction up and down. It's crazy. Let me tell you one of the best reactions I saw last year. Who gets it? Like when, after the week we played Aaron Rodgers um, in Green Bay, he was on the show. And Aaron, I thought Aaron said it best on your show. This shows I watch. This, this, this is an example of how I watch it. But Aaron said, you know what? You know, we got beat, but we played well. I'm encouraged about where we're going. I don't know if everybody else in Green Bay fans were encouraged because when you get beat, you, you know, everybody gets in panic mode. But he had a great perspective on, hey, you know what? We played well. We just didn't win. That happens. And, you know, and there's going to be weeks that you do play well and you don't win. And there's going to be weeks that you play bad and you win. And you probably didn't deserve to win. So you got to just play out the string, keep working and get through it and, um, week by week and keep getting better and at the end you you hope you're in it at the end we were two and 14 nine games i think were decided by six points or less and we were a bad team we could have if the ball if we get a pick at a different time or a, a potential ball pops out or we don't fumble at one point we would have beat some very good teams the nfl the parity is real between great good and bad there's a very thin line it's just whether or not your team will you know, show up in those moments. And that's the culture thing, which is what you have built. So I'm pumped to see it continue to go. Go ahead, Todd. Chris, speaking of Rodgers, obviously you guys are ecstatic with having Carson Wentz. But back before last year, before you had Phillip Rivers and, you know, Tom Brady was a free agent and there were reports that the Colts were one of his finalists. And then now with, you know, Rodgers, everything kind of being up in the air, like how much would, would you kick the tires on both of those guys before you had Phil and before you actually acquired Carson? Does this guy work for you? <laughs> yeah, this is Ty. It's a great question. Hey, that's a good it question. It's a great, <laughs> it's a good it's great. question. It's great. So, look, um, anytime a good player is available, we're going to research it. I mean – and you're going to have 31 other teams research it. Um, we're going to do everything we can to try to get the best. I mean, did, I mean, y'all could have answered this for me. You know what my answer is going to be. Oh, this is going to stink. Your answer is going to stink. Come on. <laughs> hey, good question. Hey, Ty, was good. It's, a great, it's, a great, it's a great question. It's, better when, it's a better one when we're off the record. Yeah, go ahead, Diggs. 
Uh, Chris, you talked about how you do some things with the draft, you do some, some things with free agency, you like the Packers method, um, Steelers were also a team who beats builds through the draft, but then you have teams like the Rams, and we talk about team building a lot on this show, and you have teams like with the Rams who don't have a first round pick for like the next five years. When you guys, do you as a GM judge other people's moves or just disagree with that type of philosophy, or how's it go about the league when stuff like that happens? No, there's different ways to to build a team and everybody has their philosophy of how they want to build it. And look, you, you name some teams that have been highly successful doing it completely different ways. You know, the Rams are very aggressive. And I think one of the things that doesn't get said enough about um, the Rams is they do a heck of a job. Sure. They don't have first round picks, but they do a heck of a job drafting, um, you know, with that second, and even if they don't have a two, that third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh, and those free agents, they do a heck of a job building a team, um, not having those high picks. So there's different ways. There's different ways to do it. Um, but at the end of the day, you just you better have something you actually believe in, and then stick with it and move forward. And and there's going to be there's going to be pivot moments, and there's going to be moments where I mean, I'm not stupid, and most people aren't. Like when when I know it's not working, all right. So maybe we need to reevaluate what we're doing. Um, but the base fundamental of what we do um, and the core beliefs that we have um, are what we believe. And I bet if you asked all those other teams, they're going to tell you the same thing. Hey, Chris, what's what's the best thing about being a general manager, especially for the Colts right now? Like, what are you going to miss whenever you're not doing this job? Um, like I. I tell our guys all the time that like, that's just a title, you know? I mean, I don't, I don't see myself any different than when I was the area scout with the Chicago bears. I mean, I just enjoy, I'm going to tell you what, it's probably no different. It was for y'all. It's the team building. It's being around the people. It's the process. It's the, it's the figuring out the problems those those are the things that one day when they kick me out of this league that I will really miss. I mean, and it's no different than that for y'all as players. Like when you're done, like everybody, well, sure you miss Sunday, but what you miss is the locker room, the camaraderie of the locker room. Well, it's no different. It's no different for me. I love the I love the team aspect of everything that we do, and I love the building, the good and the bad. I mean, I I don't. I mean, I like it all. There's nothing that I don't enjoy. I mean, I feel very grateful to get, number one, to get to be in this league, and number two, to have the job that I have. And I'll never, I will never take a day of it for granted. I know the responsibility. We're just stewards um, for this organization. And I'll never take a day for granted um, working this job and with the people I get to work with. I'm very fortunate. The players I get to be around, the relationships we get to make, that lasts a lifetime. These relationships, I mean, that's the one thing I've never understood. Like, it's, you know, being in this role, like I said, it's just a, all it is is a title. But there shouldn't be walls put up between this office and the front office and the rest of the building. We can still have meaningful, real relationships. Some, there's going to be times we don't agree. That's okay. Freak, we ain't doing it right if we don't disagree sometimes. But these relationships could, should go long, long further than uh, than just just football. They should continue the rest of our lives. 
with that answer, that southern draw, the tan you have right now with the angelic light behind you, I mean, <laughs> you might be president of the fucking NFL. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that was unbelievable. <laughs> Stewards of this organization <laughs> with that southern draw, you don't expect ACT, SAT words like that. Chris, Jim's got a good one. I think he knows that. And I see you wearing that Wisconsin shirt. Uh, you're, you're very thankful Jonathan Taylor is a Indianapolis quota. <laughs> Yes, I am. He's <laughs> unbelievable. Hey, he is. Um, now with Naheem Hines, hopefully he's healthy whenever he gets back. Marlon Mack, that backfield that Carson's potentially going to be able to play action and utilize is a huge thing, too, that, you know, we don't talk about enough whenever we see, you know, the aside from guy Julio Jones available. But legit, Jonathan Taylor, <laughs> home run hit there for you, pal. Very, uh, very talented, very talented runner. Our scouts did a tremendous job. Um, Tyler Hughes and, and, and Kevin, they, um, they did a tremendous job scouting him and, you know, we got lucky enough to get him. I'll give Mr. Ursay credit. I'll never forget on, I mean, y'all heard it. If you listen, you know, on the show, we, you know, our organization does, but I'm here with Jim, Mr. Ursay, you know, a couple picks before, you know, we're, we're bannering back and forth and he just, Chris, you like y'all like Taylor. Go get him. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. I know what that means. Sure. I am a steward of this organization, yeah. but there's a guy that saw Jonathan Taylor run in uh, his own stadium a couple times there at the Big Ten Championship. He is yeah. he has been awesome, as have you. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you, Chris. Yeah. Thank you all. Appreciate you all. What was that B-minus players A-plus money quote you gave out? You know what I mean? Like, who is that about? Huh. You, you, you dogging people out there right now? Is that what that was? Is that a shot at people? That's what people were saying. You were an A-plus player, Pat. <laughs> I agree. But is there anybody, you know, that potentially? <laughs> no, I'm joking. All right, Chris. All right. <laughs> yeah. uh, ladies and gentlemen, general manager of the Indianapolis Colts, Chris Bauer. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. AJ, hey, AJ, when are you going in? Are you going in? Are you in the Packer Hall of Fame yet? Uh, No. Travesty. What? what? No, it'll happen. I just was thinking about fight? it because, at, well, no, Al Harris is going in. Um, I don't know if you know. I coached and recruited Al. Did you, um, I played with in Al college. Yeah, for, yeah. When I first got in the league. Yeah, Al is the man. Is he? Where's he coaching now? He is with the Cowboys. He's with Dallas. Yeah. Oh yeah, he went yeah. Big, Mike. big Mike. Yeah, Al big was Mike. yeah, absolute lockdown corner. Did not want to play zone ever. He was a, a fun teammate too. He didn't want to play it in yeah. college either. <laughs> he had dreads, right? Long dreads. Yeah. Yep. He was. Yes. He was he the one that picked off Hasselbeck? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that was a hell of a play there. Obviously, he had many more. He's going into the Hall of Fame, huh? And in the Green Bay's Hall of Fame, and it just made me think about AJ. You know, when yeah. when your time your time's coming. What do you think about AJ, Chris? You were obvi- were you with the Bears when AJ was playing? This guy, no concussions, no mouthpiece, vaporized the tooth on a tackle, four four forty inch vertical. This guy, torn pec, hamstring, groin, missed two, five surgeries on his knees, missed one game. Chris, this doofus that we do a show with every single time, one of the greatest athletes of all time. Chris, you were in the league when he was there. He was a he was a great player. Um, and that was a huge rivalry. Um, and unfortunately, I don't know, what was your first year? 2004? Uh, 2006, actually. Hester's first year in Chicago. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So five and six. We whipped y'all's ass. In five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hester took one back on us like uh, his first game. <laughs> yeah, but then, but, then, but then unfortunately the tide turned. 
Hey, I, Chris, I want you to say this. In, uh, this is not putting down anybody else. Okay, This is not putting down Carson Wentz. But that Aaron Rodgers situation, he's one of the Mount Rushmores of football. Right? Like, Isn't it crazy? That, and Peyton said this in an interview. Peyton said, it's three weeks till season. I don't know how we... Isn't it crazy that it can get to that point? And that's something that could happen in any NFL building, I guess, at any time, whenever you're talking about talent and respect and legacy and all that shit. Like, Is that something you watch and you're like, okay, we got to stay away from this type of situation? Or are you kind of keeping your head out of that completely? I keep my head out of it and just... Thank, 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 and very thankful that he's not in our division and I don't have to play against him twice. <laughs> hey, unless fucking Urban Meyer gives a call. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor Lawrence. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Chris Bauer. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. I am so sorry to interrupt. I just want to let you know, don't get stuck doing the same old, same old workouts. Okay. Making progress towards the future you means overcoming new challenges. FitBod creates a fitness program that continually adapts with new exercises and dynamic intensity that adjusts to how you're progressing. So you'll be challenged to meet your goals at your own pace. There's no perfect body that everyone can achieve, but what we can do is continually become a better version of ourselves. No workout is one size fits all. FitBod creates a fitness program that continually adapts to you. So you stay challenged with new exercises, pacing, and intensity based on where you are and where you want to be. Whether you're exercising three days a week or twice a day, every workout is scientifically proven to be better than the last. All anybody talks about in the NFL or any professional sports or you talk about the people that are in the greatest shape of all time all they say is i'm not trying to be the person i want to be 10 years from now tomorrow i'm trying to get better tomorrow or better today than i was yesterday that's what fitbod is all about no equipment no worries fitbod has body weight routines for those looking to be fit at home or on the go fitbod even has hd video tutorials to make learning new exercises an absolute breeze personalized training can be tough on the budget but fitbod is only 9.99 a month or 59.99 a year sign up now and you'll get 25 percent off your membership Pick up the pace on your fitness journey with FitBod today and your future self will thank you. Get 25% off your membership at fitbod.me forward slash pat. That's F-I-T-B-O-D dot M-E forward slash P-A-T for 25% off. Start your journey to the future you today with FitBod, who is customary workouts. Make getting better and better each day magical. Shout out to FitBod, shout out to you. Why not? Body weight exercises, get creative with it, keep you engaged, make you better. Shout out to FitBod, shout out to you. Let's get back to the show. Can't thank you enough for allowing us to be a part of your day-to-day. Monday through Friday, we're releasing shows. Now, not every show is maybe the best show. Okay, I know. I understand. Today, though, is one that we really did well. I, I enjoyed it. I loved it. And uh, I appreciate the hell out of all of you. Thanks to all the boys for their effort and energy. Thanks to our guests for their time and conversation. And thanks to you for spending time with us every single day. Hashtag end of pod squad. Let's get to it. Ty, please play some independent music and propel these people into a beautiful Thursday. Friday night Smackdown live in Houston in a sold out arena. It's just two days away. I can't wait for that. See you tomorrow.